Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. In each episode, talking with thought leaders and executives, PurposeWorks founder, Thomas Bertels, explores what it takes to make work more productive, valuable, impactful, and meaningful. Let's begin the conversation. Welcome to the Work Matters Podcast. Our guest today is Rich Alderton, and our topic is adaptability. Rich, so you started your career actually uh, on the shop floor, right? You started in, in manufacturing and, and you had a, you know, it was like a management career in supply chain and, and, and you finished your managerial career as a general manager for a large packaging company. And, and then you got into consulting. Uh, what, what prompted you to, uh, to make that shift from a managerial career to a consulting role? One thing I realized that was, you know, I, I got to be a kind of middle order CEO and you get a lot of uh, things to do when you're a CEO and you get a lot of choice in what you get to do. But the one thing that has always been in the back of my mind is that I've been very lucky in that I enjoy change. And it's always been something that I've enjoyed doing is helping people uh, to enjoy change as much as I do. And even when you're a CEO, you, you think that when you're at the top of the tree, you know, however big the tree is, that, that you get to choose and do exactly what you want. But of course you don't. And being CEO, uh, you still have an awful lot of things to do, like keeping stakeholders and shareholders happy that doesn't really play to that big passion that, that I realized that I had for helping people to enjoy change. So I really just got to that stage in my career where I thought mm, I'd really like to focus on this full time. Um, you know, and once you become CEO, the natural thing is to go on to bigger and better CEO roles, but I, I decided to, uh, to, to change. <laughs> which is good, isn't it? So one of our premises on the Purpose Work side is that work is broken, right? And, and needs changing. Um, and, and if that's true, uh, what does it mean for how we approach change, right? And, and I guess your, your point of view is that how we traditionally approach change is, is broken as well. Uh, could you talk about that a little bit more? When, when you're a leader or an organization, when you think about change, most people default to thinking about projects. Projects are the vehicle and they're very successful at creating change. The problem is that all they do is they change what people do. They don't necessarily, they don't usually change how people think and feel about change itself. So the problem with a project management approach is that You've got a beginning, a middle and an end and all that you've got to do. In fact, all you're allowed to do as a project manager or a change manager is to get people into that finished state, whether it's an org restructure or a new IT system or whatever it is. But really, all you're doing is you're you're herding sheep from one field into another field. And, and when they've got there, well, that's a success. But do you think those sheep? really enjoy the experience of going from field to field anymore and being coaxed and barked at uh, by the sheepdogs any more than they did originally. The, the problem is that we're not fundamentally addressing how people think and feel about change itself. And the resistance that change managers face, which they inevitably always do every day of their lives, I know because I've been one, that 
that resistance to the, the change that they're trying to drive into the organization has got nothing to do, almost nothing to do with the specific change that they're championing. And it's everything to do with people's innate relationship with change. And we are built to resist change. Our most primal response to change is the fight or flight response. And that's nine tenths of the resistance that we have because we're just resistance, resistant to the idea of change. So when a poor program manager and project manager and change manager come along and get us to try and change, they're really only able to scratch the surface because that's the, the scope of the project only allows them to do that. So what we've got to do before we get the change managers involved is we've got to actually change people's relationship with change first. Since the industrial revolution, we've been coaxing and dragging people through projects to get them from A to B. And we think that that constitutes changing them. It doesn't, it doesn't change them at all. It changes what they do. It changes our organization. But back in the day, this kind of stop start approach, let's get over the inertia every time. Well, the world was moving slowly enough that that was okay. But it's not okay now, and it's certainly not going to be okay tomorrow. So I think your premise is absolutely bang on. I think work is broken, and change is a massive part of work, and the way we're approaching change is absolutely broken too. Wholeheartedly agree. I think it's, um, uh, in my experience, you know, just recently did a project with a client, and it was like a spin-off from like a biopharma company. And, and so, you know, as part of the spin-off, right, you got to rebuild all the systems that you had prior as part of the parent company. Plus, you know, you want to right, build your own and, and your own culture and, and how you run the organization. So it turned out they ended up with like 55 major change efforts, right? Everything from building a new quality system to building a new governance structure. And the reality is you can't even like, manage that with that centralized mindset where you say, you know, we'll figure out what people need, we'll... Right, we'll tell them what to do, and then we'll kind of like you know get them to your point, the sheep to the new meadow, right? Where the reality is just like unless people really have like an, an innate ability to cope with all of that, um, it, it's odds are you know it's just going to be a very painful, painful process. So I fully agree. So if we're if we're agreeing with the premise, right, we got to help people get better at change and 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 become more positive about it and see the opportunity in change. So what's the implication for? how we look at learning and, and, and training and development? Well, overwhelmingly, in my experience, Thomas, um, organizations uh, spend the vast majority of their training and development budgets, time, effort, and resources on uh, technical skills. And, and no doubt, continuing professional development is absolutely essential, whether you're a lawyer or a plumber. The problem is, this imbalance that we have uh, at the moment, living in a world of increasing unpredictability, if all we do is load people up with more and more technical skills, and yet we don't give them the adaptability skills to actually deliver those technical skills that we're giving them in the real world, well, then those skills aren't going to be actually useful because a technical expert who nonetheless cannot adapt will, when faced with change, tend to roll up in a ball, denying the organization access to all of those very expensive skills and experience just at the very moment that they're needed most at the point of change. So 
you can think about technical skills as learning the rules of the game, but the game is won or lost on your ability to adapt to how it is being played. Knowing the rules, well, that makes you a referee. It doesn't make you a winner. And, and so you're talking about raising people's uh, adaptability intelligence, right? So how do you actually do that? Well, I mean, it's been around since even before Daniel Goleman coined the phrase emotional intelligence. It goes back to the 80s that, that we've really been understanding there's more than IQ uh, in terms of intelligence. But I reckon in this day and age, talking about uh, adaptability intelligence uh, not a phrase I invented, but one I've certainly uh, interpreted in a novel way. Um, it is, is arguably the most important uh, relevant form of intelligence that, that we can have. And, and calling it intelligence just means that it can be learned and developed and mastered just like music or maths or, or martial arts or, or whatever it is. Um, and, and raising your adaptability intelligence is all about going from a, uh, well, we, we classify an adaptability intelligence as a spectrum that ranges from the fear of change. Um, and we take you on a journey right through to the freedom to change. It, it's really a measure of how adaptable you are. And what that means is broadly uh, in, in two categories. It moves you, raising your adaptability intelligence moves you from seeing change as a threat that generates fear and anxiety to seeing it as an opportunity that generates your understanding that it's your opportunity to make a difference, to add value and to realise your potential. And when you can see change in those terms, then that kind of changes everything. So I've developed a high performance change program, which is based on a, a roadmap, as I said, on the spectrum. And along the way, um, there's a whole bunch of antidotes to combat the reasons that we resist change and a whole bunch of stimulants to boost the reasons that we love it. And they all build into a series of personal superpowers um, that you need to survive and thrive in a world of increasing uh, unpredictability. So, you know, it's like I, I can see that probably there's a lot of right, executives that would probably agree with your central premise, right? Um, but but how do you make how do you make room for that on an already right on an agenda that's already full with with other priorities, right? How do you how do you make the case for investing scarce time and resources into yeah. you know building adaptability? Because nobody's not busy, right? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. And, and the last thing we need is, you know, an, another another initiative. Uh, we're, we're already busy enough. Think of adaptability as the one strategic initiative to rule them all. Um, and by that, I mean a strategy. I've seen good strategies, bad strategies. I've, I've helped create hopefully good strategies. But Whatever the quality of your strategy, it is only ever going to be as good as people's willingness and ability to grab hold of it, implement it and make it real. Otherwise, it's just a lovely, glossy uh, document that you know might could crush a coffee table. 
but it's really people's willingness and ability to, to make that strategy happen that determines whether the strategy is going to be of any value whatsoever. And of course, no strategy is ever implemented as written. It always changes along the way. There are emergent strategies. There are bits that will fall off. There might be 10% of it that you actually did just as you planned. But if you can not just treat adaptability as a strategic initiative, treat it as a strategic priority, it then unlocks people's capability to go and grab every other initiative on the strategic to-do list. I really see it that if you've got um, 10 things to do on your list, adaptability needs to be number one and it will make two to 10 happen much more quickly, much more completely, cheaper and and actually what it will do at the end of the day if you if you're doing that through an adaptable workforce one with a reasonably high adaptability intelligence it will bring people together not rip them apart as change so often can yeah no i, I can i can definitely see the i think the see the merits of investing in that right it's like a meta capability that you're building and, and i think besides that right Thomas, I, i'm gonna i'm gonna steal that <laughs> And, and besides, um, besides that, I, I think there is, I, I like your notion that change can be fun, right? And, and I think it, 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 I think there's like building that, that skill set and, and capability. First of all, it will benefit people, whether it's in the work life or not, right? I think we all can benefit from being more, more responsive to, to, to the changes that happen in our environment and, and get better at adapting, right? And secondly, I think I, I really like the, the, the premise that, you know, it, it puts people more in control of their destiny and, and hopefully has the potential to make work more fun, right? So, so if people say, yes, 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 Rich, I like all of this. So, so what's the one thing that, that you think they can work on to change their relationship with change? The, the, the key thing that everybody has to remember that I'm, I'm really passionate about this is that change, even unwanted change, even negative change, unwanted, unplanned, unavoidable change, any kind of change is the best opportunity any of us is ever going to get to find out what we are really capable of achieving, who, who we are. It really goes to who we are and more importantly, who we could be. Change isn't a business process that is associated with a Gantt chart um, and a series of milestones. It's an attitude to life. And it doesn't matter whether you don't like the new IT system that's coming in. It doesn't matter if you're diagnosed with cancer or you've lost a loved one. Whatever, however negative change that you can think of, it, it, uh, it, fortunately and unfortunately, it is always going to be your best opportunity to show the best of you because in the darkest of days, that is when you have to find the strength to come through that and change. And at a positive level, if the change is a good one, then just let it, accept it for what it is as a good change and enjoy the ride. Don't be worried and, and fearful and afraid of what's going to happen because you can make the most of it. The more positive your attitude towards the change, the more influence you're going to have over its end result. So I'm really on a mission to make sure that people understand that once you have dealt with the negative side of change, once you've dealt with your fears and your anxieties, then you can really start seeing change as something that is your chance to make a difference and to 
make the most of who you are. And, you know, I, I, you can tell by the grey hairs, you know, I've, I've probably got less days left than I've lived. And so for me, every day really matters. And, and you kind of get into this existential debate about what am I here for? What am I going to do with my time? And the answer always comes back to change is the biggest opportunity that we have. And the only way that we're going to grab change is by becoming more adaptable. No, I can, I can, I can definitely see, see, I think that both the power, I think, of, of that mindset, right? And, and I think the need for that. I think, right, uh, as work is broken and we're trying to fix it, that's going to require a lot of change, right? We're going to have to fundamentally rethink, right, how we design work processes, how we structure organizations, how we measure performance, right, how we right, establish a common purpose. And, and all those are changes. So I think, right, companies, I think, that, that help their workforce, right, get better at dealing with those changes and and embracing the opportunity that's in there, I think uh, I think that's a that's a very important part of making that real. Because when people like yourself, Thomas, you know, huge amounts of experience um, that people would struggle logically to counter whatever it is that you've got to say in their organisation, and you rock up and say, for these twelve good reasons, we're going to change your processes, your job description, um, and, and you can just see the blood draining out of people's faces. But what if, just imagine a situation where those people had, uh, I, I'd been in, you know, the, the day before or the year before you and, and had been able to raise their adaptability intelligence. Now, all of a sudden, you rock up and say, we've got these great ideas to change your world. At the very minimum, you're going to get a fair hearing. And given that you're going to be putting good ideas to them, you know, they'll, they'll be grabbing them off you rather than you having to push them. That's, that's the vision. And that is absolutely what's possible when people have this mindset that is already ready for anything. Yeah, no, I think it's, it's right. It's, it's, it's preparing the fields, right, before you put the seats in the ground, right? And, and it can really, I really believe that that can help accelerate. And I think it's quite an enduring investment, right? Both, I think, uh, into the individuals and, and for the organization, right? So I, I think, I think you're really onto something here, Rich. Yeah, well, I, you know, I, you know, I would say this again, wouldn't I? But I would say that adaptability is the only investment that you can make that is absolutely guaranteed to work and be future-proofed. Whatever happens next, <laughs> your IT system has got a shelf life. So most of the knowledge that we learn has got a shelf life. The only thing that is guaranteed to work ad infinitum for as long as you want to or are able to work is your ability to adapt. And, 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 and even then it works beyond that because it's just as applicable outside of work as inside it. Well, Rich, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your perspective. If people want to learn more about your work, where should they go? Thanks very much. And thanks for your time, Thomas. So thanks, thanks for the invite. So check us out at uh, highperformancechange.com. Um, there's a whole load of stuff on there, blogs and videos. Uh, you can sign up to the High Performance Change program, which is an e-learning course, um, or you can get in touch with me. Um, I come and do uh, corporate gigs as well. Wonderful. Again, thank you so much for your time, Rich, and uh, have a wonderful day. So here's my takeaway from the conversation with Rich. One, I think it's point that when we're looking at change as something that happens on a project level, and when we try to do change management, we do 
right? Do we do that at a project level? Really ignores the fact that a lot of the resistance that we typically encounter in these efforts has nothing to do with the actual project and so much more to do with our underlying attitude of how we look at change. And normally people look at change as something that they, that they fear and not look forward to. And, and I think Rich's point that if we can change our point of view on change and really start to embrace change as an opportunity, I think is an excellent one. So investing into adaptability and, and, and developing that adaptability intelligence strikes me as a really smart investment because it's sort of like a meta capability that, that really uh, allows us to um, be much more positive and, and uh, much more able to take advantage of the opportunities in front of us. So I love his statement that change is an attitude to life. Um, I think uh, I found Rich's uh, enthusiasm about the topic uh, refreshing, and uh, I suggest that you, know, you check out his website to learn more about his work. I tremendously enjoyed the conversation, and uh, I hope you did too. And uh, looking forward to see you on the show next time. Bye-bye. We hope you enjoyed this discussion. If you did, be sure to subscribe, like, share, or comment. Until next time, let's make work matter.